My handle is Jonathan Blade. 2 Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 317. That's the whole ball game. Is that the one? Is that the one you like? I think that's the one you like cuz I loved it. Welcome to my podcast. I'm starting this episode with a warning. I am a black man and I am a religious agnostic. If the sharing of my social point of view coming from this angle is going to offend, maybe skip this episode. Hopefully, you'll be back for the next one. In the past week since the presidential election, the gamut of emotions experienced is something that makes one say, this can't be healthy. So is this how mental illness feels? And it's not about Republican-Democrat. It's about the cult of Trump and, more broadly, the worship of purposely malicious, politically incompetent, and ethnocentric political thought that he emboldens. The idea that he can slap away the gentleman's handshake that gives a republic form and stability, but still be celebrated for it. So, heading into this election cycle, there was the question as to whether or not villainy could be defeated by numbers. The fix has been in for many years between gerrymandering, limiting geographic access to voting, and the insidious process of grooming voters to doubt the legitimacy of necessary safety options promoted for voting in the age of COVID, it felt like the fix was in. And it nearly was because of the aforementioned malfeasance, but also because there is a lot, a lot of ill will inherent in our American culture. 40% or more of our countrymen hate the other 60%. And it doesn't matter that the Department of Homeland Security called this the safest election in American history. And it doesn't matter because the GOP is no longer the party of bellicose spendthrifts. It's the party of zealots. Of Mike Pence's evangelicals. Bringing on Pence was probably the finest, most evil calculation of the Trump presidency. The irony is that Evangelicals are probably the nicest people that I've ever met, but they are also people who support property over people, people who support arbitrary persecution. Nobody's above the law. Except, of course, their deified leader. Now, it would be underselling it to say that I don't fully understand it in the context of biblical faith. I do understand it in the context of troubling connections of institutions of control, of racism and exclusion generally. As individuals, I believe that evangelicals are probably good people. As a group, though, they are the most toxic people in America. Every year we get one step closer to an Iranian revolution situation in which one day we are a modern progressive country and the next we are pilgrims with machine guns and nuclear weapons. There is an odd rat king of piety and avarice at play, too. There is the seemingly aberrant thread of property over people, which I have heard verbosely expressed, and the near deification of a comically solipsistic man that would seem to be at odds with the espoused core of evangelical belief, belief in the divinity of and the inherent truth in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Instead, you get this political lichen in which piety and hate feed and sustain the life of one another. It centers around the rights of white private citizens to murder other private citizens and the idea that labor and consumption must always increase for the state to be successful. Politically, these are relatively new platforms around which evangelicals can circle their wagons, but they're 
other, less verbose core platform is still functionally segregated private education. It's been that way since the 70s. The political right, the evangelicals, the moral majority, their platform was built in the 70s by a gentleman named Paul Weyrich. And Paul Weyrich hit Washington, D.C. as a conservative uh, in a Republican Party then that was not conservative. They were the old William F. Buckley conservatives. Their concern was small government and showing a, an aggressive stance in the world, bringing capitalism and American economics to the rest of the world through force. Paul Weyrich was trying to figure out a way to circle the wagons as for the United States evangelicals. And he tried a few different issues. One of the big ones was abortion. That didn't really stick at the time because the conservatives or the evangelicals of the 1960s didn't care about abortion. They didn't really think of a fetus as a human life. Uh, there's an article from Christianity Today from 1968 that talks about that, where in the Bible they showed that a fetus does not have the same value as a, an actual human life. So at the time, a platform that did stick and that Weyrich built his foundation on was the idea of maintaining private segregated schools. The idea of Christian conservatism as a political idea is built on racism. And then everything else that you associate with today was kind of glommed on over time. Gun rights glommed on over time. The conservatives actually supported limiting gun rights in the 60s because of the assassinations and because uh, black people were trying to use gun rights to protect themselves and they couldn't have that. And so after laws were passed, they tried to back them out because they were like, but, but we need to kill black people. And you think I'm being hyperbolic and I may sound hyperbolic, but that's what your platform sounds like, uh, religious conservatives. Anyway, uh, Weyrich was able to find purchase for his platform with the idea that they could keep their private schools segregated through political action. And then after millions of evangelicals came together, uh, I think Jerry Falwell was probably the biggest early proponent because in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is not far away from where I live, he had a private school that he wanted to keep segregated. Anyway they built their platform and things like abortion and gun rights were glommed on over time because it was in the interest of people who enjoyed keeping the zealots active to do that. Things that appeal to middle America. Did they appeal to middle America before they were glommed onto the platform? Maybe. Maybe not. Which is not to say that I believe that evangelicals as individuals are racist. I do believe that racism is an intrinsic element of their culture. For Trump, it allows another easy trigger to use for the manipulation of those who are conditioned to be manipulated. The thing is that, as I said before, that group does not represent the majority of Americans. In my opinion, the issue is that most people can see gray. They can see the gray areas, they understand nuance, but seeing that nuance, being reasonable, being rational, and considered, is not the most effective way to catalyze change. You need the zealots to be able to get things done in a hurry. Imagine the fervent energy of young people, the kind of youth at the heart of the 1960s counterculture and civil rights movement, the modern Occupy Wall Street movement, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Now imagine having a way to keep people living in that fervor for the entirety of their lives. Religion is still the most effective tool for political manipulation. It could be just as easily used for the manipulation of love, but politically it's more effective to stoke hate and then point that hate at a target. And the thing is, although 
I'm upset with them, I don't hate evangelicals. I'm old enough to be of the opinion that it is okay for your meemaw to feel the way that she does about negras and immigrants and the gays. The issue is that when the way she feels becomes action in our world, and the way she feels is that people who aren't her are less than human, deserving of less than human rights, well, that's a practical problem well beyond the right of self-governance and self-expression. Anyway, we started with the words of a president, so we should probably end with the words of a president, too. The day will come when the mystical generation of Jesus, by the supreme being in the womb of a virgin, will be classified with the fable of the generation of Minerva in the brain of Jupiter. But we may hope that the dawn of reason and freedom of thought in these United States will do away with all of this artificial scaffolding. Thomas Jefferson, 1823. Thanks for listening.